0: I've officially arrived at the gym. That's step one. What's step two? I guess just stand here until an idea for a workout routine comes to me? Or maybe step two is flagging down a trainer to help and- No way. I already spent most of my money on the gym membership. I can probably figure it out myself. Or you could try FitBot. It's an app that builds a workout routine for you based on your goals and fitness level. You can even tell it what equipment you have so you can get a plan that's customized just for you. So FitBod does all the planning for me. I don't have to Google random videos hoping they're right for me. That's right. FitBod actually has exercise demo videos for you too. Plus, a whole year of FitBod costs less than a single session with a trainer. Huh. Maybe I'll finally get more than one workout out of my gym membership this year. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbond.me slash getfit. That's fitbond.me slash getfit.
1: The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindley Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it.
0: My dad moved to Kindley and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindley.
1: Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindley at Asbury.org today. Equal opportunity housing provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed.
0: If you love Dynasty Leagues and Prospects, you came to the right place because that's what this show is all about covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up
1: in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and Prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 27 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun episode in store for you all today and with me as always for the last time before there will be another Clegg in this world from Frantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's up, man? Oh, not much. Getting a little nervous.
0: Baby is going to be here this week and I don't really know how to feel. I'm excited. I'm nervous. Feel a lot of things, but it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it.
1: And and so, all those feelings are all those feelings are valid. I I felt all those before, even my second kid, even though I already had one. It, it's 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 very valid. But congratulations, man! Yeah, I already told you. you, but it's I'm very very happy for you and your in your wife. And what I thought too the other day is that my son, who is uh, five, a little over five, he turned five a few months ago, when he's you know graduated from prospect status, sixteen years from now, he'll be the number one prospect probably. And then right when he graduates to the major leagues. Your son will be ready to take over as <laughs> the next number one, number one prospect. So we'll have the, uh, the cross-clegs. We'll, we'll hold down the number one prospect ranking with our children sure. 15, 20 years from now. Of number course, that's on, how it's going to go, right? Number one on the podcast charts, number one in the prospect list too. How about that? <laughs> number one in your hats. <laughs> 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 but that's great. But uh, before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping here, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Cross 4 and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews mean a lot. And please check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, access to our live Prospect and Dynasty rankings, custom rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. So sign up today at patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed, and make sure to check out all the other great podcasts on the network we have here at Fantrax HQ, including my other pod 5 tool, SP Streamer on campus, Fantasy Hockey Life, Kick Around, and IDP. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Like I mentioned, it's going to be a fun one. We are going to look into the crystal ball here and go five years into the future, go position by position, and put uh, rank our who we think will be the top 10 dynasty or fantasy players for dynasty leagues, whatever, however you want to say it, <laughs> five years out, top 10 at each position, except for catchers. We'll do top five at catchers because who cares about catchers really? Let's be honest. Uh, and then top 10 at the rest of the uh, offensive positions here. We each did our top 10. And then we'll kind of discuss at each position. Some interesting names here. Some of the names you might think of, some of you might not. Uh, but let's start here at catcher with our top five each. Chris, who is your top five? Adley Rushman, no
0: surprise there. I think you look in the future, and it's pretty easy to see that he's probably going to be the top guy if everything pans out. He's an absolute stud. And then from there, Francisco Alvarez in the Mets system, Joey Bart, Alejandro Kirk at four, and then a guy who's not even been drafted yet in Henry Davis, Louisville catcher, but he'll be in this year's draft class. Fantastic hit, tool, power. He's, He's kind of all around. Just very solid player, hard to comp to anybody. He's kind of unique, and uh, I think there's a good chance that he does stick behind the plate. He's got an incredible arm. I think there's a good chance he sticks there, and I think he could be a very, very solid player five years down the road. I think you could easily see him being up there, being a solid fantasy asset.
1: Yeah, I could see it. I saw you put him on on the outline, and I was like, I like that. You know, I wasn't quite ready to go there myself, but I like the pick. I think Han- you mentioned Henry Davis is going to be, and he has absolute star upside behind the plate. For me, my top five is Ali Rushman. Again, there's I don't think there's really any competition there. If he even hits 80% of his ceiling, I think he's still gonna be the top fantasy catcher in the games because the this is the type of like I mentioned in my catcher prospect rankings the other day. We haven't seen this type of offensive potential from a catcher in a long time. Like the last catcher to go uh, I think it was 280-plus and 25-plus in the season was Joe Maurer in 20, uh, 2009. And we all remember that he was a first-round pick the next year. That didn't work out well. And then the last catcher to go 330-plus uh, was way back in 2001 with Mike Piazza. So I think Richmond has a chance to exceed both of those plateaus. He's that good. And then I have Will Smith at 2, J.T. Reumutu at 3. I think he'll still be pretty good then, obviously, probably slightly down from what he is now, but I think it'll still be pretty solid. Alejandro Kirk at four and Joey Bart at five. So we agree on three of them here with Adley at one. Uh, I have Bart five, you have Bart three, and we both have Kirk at four. Though so the one difference here, we went much different directions in number two. I got Will Smith. You've got Francisco Alvarez. W- what made you not include Will Smith? Was it just your... Concern for how the Dodgers are going to use him going forward. Yeah, the Dodgers are just really, really
0: strange with how they handle playing time, and we even saw this with Yasmani Grandal when he was there, and he was one of the better hitting catchers and solid all around. But they just didn't seem to want to give him the time that he deserved. And who knows? I mean, the Dodgers system is just absolutely stacked with catchers. I mean, they've got a lot of guys from top to bottom of the system that could come up and split time with him too. I don't know. It's even possible he moves off the position maybe.
1: I don't yeah, know. I good. struggle
0: with this one. Like, I didn't know, like, just from a bat, pure bat standpoint, I think he should be included. Like, I think he's easily top three just from looking at his bat. But I think the other factors play in here. And that's what really throws me off is the fact that, one, is he sticking at catcher? Two, will the Dodgers play him enough? I just don't really know. And that's what kind of worries me here is we know they've, Austin Barnes. I don't even think Austin Barnes is that good, and they like giving him time. And you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's some, not. <laughs> no, but they've got some guys in the system that you know could easily come up and and split time with him too. And that's kind of what worries me here. I don't know. Like I said, I love the bat. The bat's really good. It's more than capable of being top three at the position. But the playing time definitely worries me a little bit.
1: Yeah, it does. And he was a tough one in the rank because, like you mentioned, I just, I love Will Smith the bat. Like I mentioned, you know, last year he was pound for pound the best offensive catcher in baseball. Just didn't quite get the reps that JT Muto got. And that's the reason why he gets dinged on people's rankings. But he is, I, I hope he gets enough at bats. And I, I'm kind of in the mindset that the DH will come to the National League at some time here in the next couple of years. So hopefully that can help. And then he's maybe still gets enough, you know, time behind the plate to retain catch eligibility, even if they still have Barnes or, you know, put Kevin Ruiz back there or Diego Cartea in a few years. We'll see, but yeah, he's gonna be an interesting one moving forward here. He's kind of a hard one to value. Um, With you though, you had Francisco Alvarez at two, and I know you were super high on him. I am as well. What do you think in, in your eyes? What do you think that the ultimate ceiling for him is uh, statistically? Do you think he could be like a 270 plus, 20 plus home run guy? I think, yeah, I think he's got 25 home run
0: pop in the bat for sure. He's extremely talented, and I think the raw power only continues to develop. So, wouldn't surprise me to see him hit 25 bombs, and the hit tool is pretty solid as well. I think 270, 275 probably hits it on the head. He might have seasons where he hits even better than that. I mean, we saw a lot of video of him at the outside and fall in shrugs, and he was just mashing the ball. And even in his debut last year, or 2019, excuse me, he was very, very good with what we saw him do at the plate. And the Mets are committed to keeping him behind there. And We got a mm. Twitter question yesterday yeah, I about that. Yeah. that. Yeah. Was Bat outgrow the position where they – want to push him. And that's why they're not pushing him. Like the Mets have made it really open. They're not going to push him because they want him to learn behind, like catchers take a while to develop behind the plate. And so they're going to let him do that. And the bat obviously is already advanced. Like it's advanced enough for them to push him if they want. And it'll be interesting to see where he starts this year and where he moves up to, but he's legit. Like, you know, put him ahead of Joey Bart. I think in my opinion, he's better than Bart. I mean, I mentioned, in 2019, he was 17 years old. Right. So playing rookie ball. So we take those rookie ball numbers with a grain of salt, but still in 182 plate appearances, he slashed 312, 407, 510 with seven home runs. Very, very solid approach to the plate. Only struck out 37 times, walked 21 times. I love what I see from him. Even the reports out of the camp have been really good about him really progressing and just really improving at the plate. And I think he's legit. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see that bat. Be one of the better fantasy bats in
1: all of baseball. Yep, I, I totally agree. I'm, I had him, uh, he was one of my guys I was considering at five. I probably would have him six or seven right now. But yeah, he's a very, very good talent. Like you saw what he did in rookie ball in 2019 slash 312, 407, 510, 10 doubles and seven bombs in 42 games, walk rate above 10%. Yeah, very very potent bat, and you mentioned you know the good reviews from the alt site, and you know he, just to you know show what type of power he has. That opposite field bomb, bomb he hit off Jacob Degrom. Uh, was since spring training was that last year? I couldn't remember. I think it was I think it was in spring training. He had that. Remember that? Remember that, Chris? Oh yeah, the bomb. The bomb he hit was that was in spring training, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, this is the opposite field shot, right? Uh, and it probably went like four hundred and something. It shows that raw power that Alvarez has. Uh, we both have Alejandro Kirk at four. We talked about Kirk a lot. We're both big Kirk guys. He's got to get a chance at some point, whether it's you know at DH full time with a little bit of catching, or maybe they just get tired of getting a chance Jensen being completely inept as an offensive player. His defense is still valuable, which is probably why he's still getting a lot of reps behind the plate. But Kirk could have hit. You know, this is a 280 type of hitter, 15 to 20 bombs to be really good year in year out. This you know guy walked more than he struck out in the minor leagues. Very, very good offensive catcher. So he could he could go even higher than four for me. I almost put him higher, but uh, we'll see with him. But love the bat there. Now, if you had to add, you know, put up a, a sleeper pick that could top put in this top five, who would you have, Chris? For for me, I think the guy was probably going to be Austin Wells of the Yankees. I you know I've, we've talked a lot about his bat. You know, plus hit, plus power, lefty, Yankee Stadium. A lot of good things to like about that. So I think whether he stays behind the plate enough to get eligibility, we'll see. I think there's a chance, but not a high chance, but he'd probably be my kind of sleeper pick that could get up into here. Who would that be for you?
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll stick in that same draft class and go Tyler Soderstrom, who's also very advanced. You know, The difference was that Wells is a college bat and Soderstrom's a prep bat, but he's very advanced. I think there's a lot of power that he can tap into, and the hit tool's pretty solid for – for his age, and I think that it's a guy a lot of us probably underrated a little bit. We'll get to see him this year and see how he's progressed. But a lot of positive signs in the spring from him. He he got some reps in spring training. I think he's going to be pretty solid. And whether he sticks to the position or not is a question. But, yeah, Soderstrom's probably that guy for me. But before we move on, I think it's an interesting talking point on Real Muto. You have him third. Yeah. I didn't rank him top five. So when we originally talked about doing three years, three years out, and Real Muto was easily two for me, but five years, it made me really think, and I kind of did a little research on like how catchers age, and so Real Muto's 30, he turned 30 just before the season started, and so we're looking five years out, and he'll be 35 It's so tough to value him, and like I think, I I think it's fair for any of us to like any of these players. It's hard for us to to project five years out. But what do you see? What do you like? What do you think we can expect from Real Muto five years from now? Do you think he'll still be playing every day, like providing solid value? Because I think the speed goes at that point. You got to imagine like he he's very valuable now for chipping in, you know, eight or so steals. But I can't see that still being there. So I'm kind of interested to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, no, he was a hard one. He was probably the hardest one to rank here. And I probably could have maybe bumped him down a couple of spots. But it kind of goes back to I just think there's going to be DH in a couple of years. And so I think that's going to help him. I think it's going to alleviate uh, or help his kind of aging curve or whatever you want to call it, where I think he won't be an everyday catcher more than the next couple of years, but still catching enough. Kind of like what Buster Posey was doing, where maybe he goes play some first or if there's a DH, he plays some DH. Get him up from behind the plate. So maybe he's only catching 25% of the time or less, uh, four or five years out. But I think the bat is still going to be very legit. Like he's just shown so much consistency with the bat. But he just hits for, you know, two. You can basically lock him in for like 270 plus, around 20, 20 plus bombs. And I think that's the type of guy he's going to be. And that's probably be the last. Like if we went six years, seven years, I probably wouldn't have him in my top five anymore. So I think that's probably going to be the last time he's up there and I probably could have bumped Kirk ahead of him, but, uh, or, or maybe even Bart or someone like that. But I, I still think the bats would be pretty legit at that point. Cause I, I just don't see this would be, you know, his approach. He doesn't strike out too much. The power contact skills. I think he's still going to be pretty legit, but yeah it, yeah, it was, it was really hard. Cause like you mentioned, he's going to be 35. Then catchers usually don't age well into the mid thirties, So he was definitely a tough one in the rank for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, that's,
0: I don't know. I think the bat obviously is bats more than capable of, of playing up to that age. And so I'm thinking that if you bring up a good point with a DH, like if he can DH, I think he still probably look at like 400 plate appearances. That would be pretty solid, but there's actually, I was looking, there was a study done by the athletic and they, from 2010 to 2019, the amount of catchers that had over 300 plate appearances by age, like per season. And let's see over 10 years on at age 34 only 10 catchers got 300 plate appearances uh during that age 34 season went up to like 11 at age 35 but you know you look at 500 plate appearances and only at age 34 only one catcher hit it and age 35 two catchers hit it so it'll be interesting but i will say real muto is more than capable of doing it like he's he's been the best hitting catcher for years now so i yeah. think that's that's a really good point i think he can defy that he can beat that but yeah it was a really
1: tough for me to rank him so i was curious to hear your Yeah. thoughts there it was definitely tough for me as well and if you if you told me like 100% there is not going to be an dh in the nl in the next 5 years i wouldn't do it it was yeah. that was that was really the main um thing that made me keep him in that top 5 yeah all right let's move on to first base here uh, my top 10 at first base uh, which was this was another tough position for me to rank, but uh, my number one is Vlad Guerrero Jr., two Spencer Torkelson. I think he goes over the first at this point in time. Three Andrew Vaughn, four Freddie Freeman, five Pete Alonso, six Tristan Cassis, seven Nate Lowe, eight Kessingeria, nine Matt Olson, and ten Dom Smith. A couple guys like Dahlbeck and Mount Castle just missed for me, but you can see it, it gets kind of hairy near the back end of that. <laughs> um yeah this was a, a tough position and first base when i was doing my my prospect positional rankings i like to catch more than i like first base so uh first base i don't know how good it's gonna look in a few years but we'll see uh but chris what's your top 10 yep i got vladdy at one as well uh torkelson at two and this
0: there's probably gonna some questions i do think torque ends up at first long term i don't see the third base thing sticking really long term Vaughn three so we have the same top three and then I've got Pete Alonso at four, Freddie Freeman five, Matt Olson six, Dom Smith seven, Tristan Casas eight, Nate Low nine, and Ryan Mountcastle ten. But like you said, man, this really bottoms out pretty hard because it when you does. think about, you think about where we value Nate Low and Ryan Mountcastle now, it's like, ooh, and I don't see a ton of first base prospects on the way that are like, wow, no. they're. <laughs> like, we've got the clear cut top three, and they're all three in there for us, and Torque Fawn and Casas, and after that, it's like. I don't see it. So it'll be interesting. This is a, a kind of position that could get really shallow without some position changes.
1: Yeah. Like looking at my first base uh, prospect rankings, I go Torque, Vaughn, Cassis, boom, three studs. And it's like, okay, I have Bobby Dahl back on here. He'll be graduating. Uh, Aaron Sabato, Michael Toglia, I like them, don't love them. And you get guys like Lewin Diaz, Bryce Paul, Seth Beer, Mason Martin. There's some potential there, but. Yeah, first base just isn't what it used to be. Like right now it's it's pretty solid right now, but it doesn't have a ton of depth. There's a lot of question marks, a lot of like whether it be contact skills, strikeout woes, whatever it may be, but we didn't really have a lot different here. And you know, we flip flopped four and five with Freeman and Alonzo. I love that we both have Cassis in there. I think Cassis is gonna be an absolute beast. You know, two seventy-ish type hitter, thirty plus bombs, maybe even Threaten with 40. He, I think he's the type of guy that can uh, make it work. At Fenway is a lefty power hitter, even though it, it's hard to do so unless you have mammoth, David Ortiz type of power. Uh, it zap, I bet you it zapped Benintendi of about five home runs a year because I saw so many Benintendi fly out to the warning track where right field just really, really goes out towards the bullpens. Probably would have been a home run in many of the parks. Probably would have been 10 more home runs. <laughs> you can Stadium with that short porch, but um, – I don't know from Kesson I, I could have Kessen where he's obviously off to an atrocious start, but I still believe he can be decent. I won't say good. I'll say decent, like 260, 270, 25 bombs or so. Maybe add in a handful of steals. And I think that's good enough to maybe get back in the first base. We're looking at, you know, what's Nate Low? What about 270, 25 home runs or so? And you know, what's Dom Smith about that? That kind of like where the back end of this top 10 is looking here. Um, I see you didn't have Huria. Is that more, do you think he's moving back to second, or you just think he's going to fall off to the point where he's not even a top 10 guy anymore? I struggle with it because I think that the upside for Hira is
0: like top five at the position. We look at mm. shallow position like that, and he's capable of hitting 280 with 30 bombs and 10 stolen bases. So on the flip side, it's like, the upside's there, but the floor is just so low. I don't know. I think he needs to just go down the minor leagues and get it figured out. But uh, it, I struggle with it. Like, I honestly, right now, I would say, yeah, I like him better than Low. I like him better than Castle, Probably like him better than Dom Cassis at that point. I don't know. But just if he keeps trending this way, then his confidence has to be in the cellar right now. So he oh, needs yeah. to work it out. To he just needs confidence. And I think that's the struggle I had with is what is what's going to happen? And we don't know. I think that moving around positions isn't helping. So they went from second to first, back to second when Wong was hurt. Wong's back, back, to, he's back to first base. Like just stick him somewhere, let him get comfortable in the field because that, that factors in. I think that factors in more than we realize. Absolutely does. But he's got to get confidence back. And honestly, a stint in AAA. Might do him some good. People are going to be upset about that, but long-term, like if you own him in Dynasty, it might be the best for him. Just let him go rake and get some confidence and then bounce back up because he's talented. I'm telling you, he's too talented for this to happen. For the years that we saw him in college and the minors, he's too good. So, But I don't know. Like I said, I don't have him in my top ten. That's the struggle. The inner struggle between (laughs) who is the real Kesten
1: Hira, and I don't know. Well, the real Kesson you please stand up. That, that's that's yep. how that Eminem song went, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's how it went. here not Slim Shady. It was definitely <laughs> Um, Now, I, I see not the like foreshadow or anything. I see you don't have him in your second base top ten either. Where do you think five years from now? Do you think he's second base or do you think he's first base? He's probably first base or DH. Honestly, I just don't think I agree. He, he's he's, he's not, not good defensively. No, he,
0: he's not providing any value by him being at second base. So first base is
1: or DH is probably his his long-term home. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe we need to put him at first base. I mean, excuse me, at DH. Just let let him focus on hitting because, Mm -hmm. like we mentioned, he's not a great defender, and if they get the DH in the National League, I think that would definitely help him because he's just focused on hitting. That's really where he he can find his value, and if he can just focus on that full time, uh, I think that would be great. But, yeah, first base is just not great. Like At the top, (laughs) I like like that top six or so with um, I've cast as six, like obviously Vlad jr is turning it around. He's looking like the Vlad Jr. we expected. So hopefully this continues and not just a, a few week thing, but obviously he has all the upside in the world. I think we both agree that torque and Vaughn are both just legit studs in the making. And look at what Andrew Vaughn, he's turning it around because he's getting consistent ish playing time. He didn't play today uh, on Sunday, but he's on a five game hitting streak right now. He's hitting the ball hard. He's showing patience, walking, I think the 13.3% of the time. I think that's the type of guy he's gonna be. High contact, high walk, high power, you know, high, you know, put a together a really good slash line. I'm not sure I got a to whole ton, even though he is right now, but just let him settle in. He's gonna be an absolute stud in the middle of that order. Good lineup around him, good ballpark. Or he could be number two here. Like I like Torque more right now, but I can see Vaughn sneaking ahead. I really could. I think he's at the higher batting average ceiling. Than Torque does, I think there's a slightly better hit tool there. I think Torque has a more um, raw power, but I think both of them are going to be very good. You know, factor in the ballparks, you factor in the lineups. Torque's on it might not be great around him for the first few years. So by the time he gets up, this is probably, be, what, year three or four for him in the bigs probably, or it'll be, you know, obviously year five or so for Vaughn in a m- much better lineup probably, you know, unless something turns around in Detroit. So Vaughn could be a number two. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, I definitely agree. And
0: he's he's more than capable of doing it. Like you said, I think the hit tool is is there for him to take that spot. So it'll be fun. It'll. I hope that'll be a fun debate for a long time between Torque and Vaughn. I hope they figure it out and we see really solid production. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, Freddie
0: we'll, Freeman was I, an interesting one for us. I
1: was about to ask you, but I was about to see how do you as a Braves fan how do you how do you see Freddie aging? I and I just dealt them away in a twenty team dynasty league. So but I saw I think he can age gracefully, but how gracefully though as a thirty, what, five year old first baseman at this point in time? Because remember, yeah. we're talking five years out in the year 2026 here. So how, how do you see Freeman aging next few years? Yeah, and I honestly think he could take the the Joey Votto
0: track. He's Freeman has a safe skill set that I think can age pretty well. And you look at the production, he's 31 right now, so you're looking at 36 years old five years from now, which how valuable can you count a 36-year-old dynasty? Like nobody wants that, so that made it tough to rank him. But I just think the talent and the skill level is there. Like he's, he's more than capable of keeping this up. He's always been a solid hit tool guy with solid power. It's not like he's been a speed guy which, you know, that takes out that out of the equation. So you don't have to worry about his speed diminishing. The hit and power, I still think, can be there. And you look, I mean, Votto maybe a rough example because Votto kind of started struggling a little bit in 2018 at 34. But, you know, Votto for it is 32, 33 season, he was still a 300-plus hitter with 30 bombs. And I think Freddie can sustain that for a little while. And even if he's hitting, you know, we'll say 280 290 with 25 plus home runs and i still think that's pretty valuable with this position especially that we've talked about is
1: is shallow exactly that's that's the point i like if there was a better crop of guys behind him in the back half of this top 10 maybe i move him down a couple spots because of the age but i just couldn't move a guy like nate low ahead of him maybe tristan casas if, if he hits on the upside i think he could but yeah I, I think that the lack of depth and lack of kind of elite talent at this position, definitely helps him stay as a top five or so option moving forward for sure. Moving over to second base here, the keystone. This is actually a pretty intriguing position. We went a couple different ways with this here, uh, Chris. Why don't you go first here? Who is your top 10 second baseman five years out? All right, got. To, I'll be still the one. He's currently one. He's
0: sticking one. He's still young. He I see easily see him still being the best second baseman five years down the road. Then Gavin Lux at two. Jazz Chisholm at three, he's he's really made some moves this year where I feel comfortable bumping him up. Uh, Kettle Marte at four, Nick Solak at five, Brandon Lau at six, Jeter Downs seven, Nick Gonzalez eight, Tyler Freeman nine, and Michael Bush ten. This was a really interesting one to rank. Like, I feel like you could go so many ways with it. And I think we'll see that as you read your ranks where (laughs) it was really interesting to see, like, You could place a lot of guys in a lot of places, and it's probably a total crapshoot to be honest.
1: It it definitely is. You got to factor in potential position changes, especially with prospects. It's a little foreshadowing here, but my top ten. And no, it's I didn't put Wander Franco here, but I did put at number one, C.J. Abrams. Uh, Obviously, he ain't gonna play short (laughs) with uh, Tatis there locked in for a third of a billion dollars over the next. What was it, 13 years? So obviously he ain't playing short. So he's at probably second baseman or center field. I think second base is more likely. He's probably up in 2022, and I think, you know, this will be his third or so year, third or fourth year by the time we get to 2026. Uh, I think he's going to be an absolute stud, you know, hitting for 15 to 20 home runs, 30-plus steals, a high average, probably leading off or hitting second. It'll probably be like him and Grisham up there, 1-2 in some order, hitting in front of Tatis and Machado and whoever else they'll have up at that point in time. So I that's kind of the first bold thing here in this pod, but I think C.J. Abrams will be the top guy. And I love these next two as well, who are Chris's one and two. Albies, I have it too. Love Albies. Uh, yeah, I think he's definitely a big bounce back this year. Um The BABIP is one of the third three lowest in baseball right now. He's all of his – expected stats are actually career best so far. So definitely go out and try to get Albies for any type of discount you can. Same with Gavin Lux. I still think he's going to be an absolute stud. Even if it doesn't look like it right now, the tools are still there. I'm still a full believer in Gavin Lux. Now I have Jazz Chisholm at four. Went Jeter Downs at five. Nick Gonzalez at six. Nick Solak at seven. Vidal Brujan at eight. Kettle Marte at nine. So I think he'll be second baseman uh full time at this point because of all the outfield prospects that Arizona has coming up through next few years I put him at second base and then Brendan Lau at 10 now one guy that we both did not include here that I'm sure people are going to be asking about Nick Madrigal I before I moved Abrams to second base in this I actually had Madrigal at 10 I think he's obviously borderline top 10 the context skills are obviously there like he's already developed into arguably the best contact hitter in baseball. He is like the top O contact, Z contact, contact rate this year, or like top three in all, lowest swinging strike rate. Obviously, that's all legit, 300-plus bonafide fide hitter there. Steel, stolen base, that's going to be the thing. Is he going to be a 30-steal guy? Or is he going to be more like a 18-20-steal to 20 steel guy? If he's more towards 20 without hitting for much power, and obviously that means not a lot of RBI as, as well. If you, if you play in like an OPS league or something like that, there's not, or total bases, or if you have that category, he's not going to be great there. Uh, so he will be a three-category guy, like average slash OBP, runs, and some steals, but not like elite in steals. So uh, what was that kind of the lack of power? Was that the reason why you kept him out as well? And was he was he close to making it for you? Yeah, I mean, you think you'd, he's definitely worthy of consideration. He could easily
0: bump into here, but I just don't see it right now. I mean, the White Sox as a team don't run that much, and you look at guys like... Johan Moncada, who stole a ton in the minor leagues, you know Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, all these guys were huge steal threats in the minors, and they just don't run them. Like Tim Anderson's a twenty steal guy. Moncada now, you know, one his sprint speed's fallen off, but two, he's yeah, not running. It's it'll be interesting. I don't know Larusa. God, Lord knows he. I don't know <laughs> if he'll run them more or what, but. I yeah, that really worries me. Like, how much is Madrigal going to steal? And I I would dare to say he's probably like a 20 to 25 stolen base guy per season. And I just with no power, I struggle to value that. And just you fall so far behind on power by starting him, in my opinion. And I know it's easy to make up. Like you can find guys that sure, like you you can pair Madrigal with the right person that will balance out batting average, power, and speed, but I just don't like doing that. I don't like playing and starting a guy in fantasy that gives me a virtual zero in an important category. And then yep. lineup space matters too a lot here. And we know a lot can change over a five year time, but this lineup stacked and where is he going to hit? You know, I think that's important to think about too, like for his runs and RBI production. And I don't know. I think there's a lot more risk then there is reward unless the power develops. And until I see that, I can't really bump them into the top 10.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, another one I had close that I kind of considered here, Nolan Gorman. I think he's kind of the anti-Nick Magical uh, where he's basically mostly power and kind of the rest of the game lags behind. But getting a 30 homer bat at second base, which is where the, kind of the Cardinals are moving him to this year, I think that could – be a real game changer but we'll see we'll see how the contact skills and the and the plate approach develops with gorman There's still a lot of work to be done there but that power definitely intriguing but i think the real interesting one here you know the one that's one of the more talked about guys in baseball are now we both have jazz chisholm in the top five i have them four just because i put abrams here you have them three obviously the you know, the power speed is there we don't have to get like too much into them because we've talked about them in the last couple of weeks but so I think with our, our ranking of him in the top five means I think we both kind of feel that he'll figure out the approach and contact stuff, at least to some degree, right? Like he won't be a 240 guy to be top five at this position. He's going to be – I think he sounds like a 260 to 270 guy. Is that kind of where you have him? Yeah, I think 260 is probably
0: a safe bet. And yeah, if the contact skills stick and grow, which – Guys are capable of, of gaining in, and that's you know a topic that I think is really important that we don't talk about enough is that you can make strides with your contact skills, and I think we've seen that. But yep. I'm still not comfortable to say that he's going to be better than like a 270 hitter for the season. Right, I think a yeah. lot of people probably don't want to hear that because he's off to such a hot start, but he's going to cool off. He struggles with strikeouts or some swing and miss stuff, but the power-speed combo with the improving contact metrics tell me that he's capable of being a top second baseman, especially again, this position where there's not a ton of depth. Like he has a chance to stand out and he's got the swag. He's got the drive. He he's, he's going to perform in my opinion. And so uh, I like putting him high up here and I kind of wish I had more shares of him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Same here. I had a chance to get him in my home keeper league, but set it against it, uh, it, was, it was like a, a waiver system. So I, I decided to hold my waiver to get uh, Andrew Vaughn, but you know, maybe I should have went after Chisholm. I think he has the top power speed blend at this position and he's the only guy that has a, as a shot at like going 25, 25 or something like that. Like Albies hasn't run that much. I don't think lots will get to that point with his speed. So he's basically like a scaled back version of Luis Robert where their games are pretty similar. They both have, you know, good power speed blends. I think Robert obviously has a little more power speed than Chisholm does. Both have contact issues, you know, um, strikeout issues, but yeah, all, all, so far so good from Chisholm, but that K-rate is still pretty high. But uh, I think, like I said, the fact that he's in our top five for both of us, he's a figure out to some degree, at least to, so he won't be a, a drag in the average in OBP categories. That's going to wrap us up for this position and take us into a break. We'll come back on the other side and talk some third basemen, some shortstops, and the always intriguing outfield position. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Montgomery County, Maryland, is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. All right. Welcome back from the break. Looking into our crystal ball this episode, ranking our top 10 dynasty hitters by position for the year 2026, five years out. Just a little fun episode here, a little insightful episode, hopefully for everyone listening. We've already went through catcher, first base, and second base, and now we're going over to the hot corner, which for me was the hardest position to do throughout the top ten, but especially at the, the top five or so. Uh, for my, for me, my top ten: Rafael Devers at one, Jose Ramirez at two, Yohan Moncada three. Alex Bregman, four. Alec Bohm, five. Manny Machado, six. Brian Hayes, seven. Nolan Arenado, eight. Matt Chapman, nine. And a little sneaky inclusion here at number 10, a personal prospect favorite of mine, who we interviewed on 5-Tool roughly a year ago now, Cody Hosey is my number 10 guy. Chris, who was your top down?
0: Jose Ramirez at one. Bregman at two. Gabriel Hayes, three. Raphael Devers, four. Manny Machado, five. Alec Bohm, six. Matt Chapman, seven. Johan Moncada, eight. Chris Bryant, ninth. And Eugenio
1: Suarez, tenth. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, I don't know if it was for you, but this was a very difficult position because you look at the top guys right now. You know, you look at Bregman, at Ramirez, at Manny Machado, you know, Chapman, Bryant. A lot of them are already like 27, 28, 29. Uh, Arenado, another one, uh, which you didn't, you didn't even have Arenado in your top 10. So it'll be like, what, 34 or so by this point in time that we're talking about. So it was really hard to weigh that, like these 33, 34-year-olds at this point in time. Against like, how, how good will Alec Boehm be? How good will Brian Hayes be? Com- uh, how good will Yolan Mankata be compared to these guys and their – early to mid thirties. Um, was, was that, a, is that a hard thing for you to gauge as well? Yeah,
0: this position was weird because it's a lot of guys that aren't prospects and I, there's not a ton of prospects on the way. You mentioned one in Cody Hosey and obviously, you know, the younger guys like Hayes and Bohm, but this position is just kind of filled with guys that are already relevant and guys that are like currently like 27 to 30. So trying to gauge how they will, age is was the tough thing and you know that was the hard thing for me with with uh, Nolan Arenado like he left course he's been fine like as I figured I didn't think he would completely fall off like that but he's 30 years old so you're looking at 35 it's a similar case with Freddie Freeman but the only difference here for me is that this position is a little deeper and some of the other guys are like 28 so they're only looking at 33 at that point and I think there's a decent gap between being 33 and 35. When we look at aging curves for baseball players and, you know, it's a lot of these guys who could move positions. Like who knows? Some of these guys can move over to first base. Right. I mean, Suarez is playing shortstop. I, I don't know if you <laughs> didn't rank him, but I mean, I don't he, know. It he was he, a, was,
1: he was in consideration. I would have, if I didn't put Jose I probably would have put Suarez 10. Yeah. Or Bryant so, one of the two.
0: So this was one of the tougher positions to rank in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it was just tough throughout, and I see. Obviously, you're a bigger Hayes guy than I am. I probably I wanted to put Hayes a few spots higher. I really did, but I was like, I think Machado will still be pretty good, even if he's not running. Then, obviously, he's kind of not running much anymore anyway. But I think he'll still be a really good four category guy. I don't know. And I have Devers one. You have Devers four. Devers is an intriguing one. I would love, I was talking with a, a fellow Red Sox buddy of mine uh, here in Maine. And they're saying, like, all right, if Devers just got some patience and you know can take that approach to the next level, I think he could be an absolute stud, even more so than he already is. Like he shows that in glimpses where he like he hit five home runs in three days or something like that, and then he'll go cold for a bit because of that aggressive approach. He's always kind of early, you know, early count swinging – not really waiting for a pitch to drive. I don't need, mean he needs to get like a huge walk rate or anything like that. I don't think he'll ever be like a 12 to 15 percent walk guy, but just more so the patience to hunt out the right pitch because he has the power and he has the contact skills so to hit 300 with 30 plus home runs and a crap ton of counting stats hitting in the middle of a loaded Red Sox lineup that will probably always be loaded. I don't remember the last time. Red Sox did not have a good lineup. Even if the pitching might stink, the lineup's are usually always good around him. So he was a tough one. I think maybe my Red Sox bias did bleed a little bit into that, but he's the youngest of the current, you know, quote-unquote elite guys. So that was kind of the reason why I went there. Then the back end of the top 10 was really hard, too. Like, I could have included a handful of guys. I ended up going Cody Hosey because – he has you know, above average, or maybe even potentially borderline plus hit tool, I think. Same thing with power. He could be 280 plus, 25 plus home run guy. The path is actually pretty, you know, Josh, Justin Turner's not going to be around forever. It might seem like he is, but he will not be around forever. He's getting up there in age. So kind of there's not a, a huge roadblock there for Hoji to take over in the, excuse me, the next couple of years. And he won't be a stud, but I think he'll just be – Pretty good at both, and this is another position that kind of drops off, you know, in terms of elite talent pretty quick and into a lot of question mark guys. Uh, another one here for a little dark horse or a sleeper pick, uh, prospect Jordan Groshans would be like my picket for kind of a dark horse to jump up into this top 10. The bat is very legit there, similar kind of bat to Cody Hosey, obviously not quite as advanced, but maybe a touch more upside with the bat. Like his bat speed is ridiculous. I think if the power comes along, he could be 290 and 25 plus type of guy hitting, you know, in the middle of a probably a pretty good Toronto lineup as well. So he would be my pick here for kind of like a sleeper pick. Who would be your pick, Chris?
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's a really solid one. That's probably the easy go to. I think whether,
1: I think he moves his third long term, you know, could be a short, but yeah, I think think it would be Bo at short, him at third, Vlad. Another thing, question to us on Toronto. If Vlad does go back to third, hypothetically, I don't think he does. But if he did, would he be your number one here? I'm assuming. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I think That's that'd be thought, that'd be an easy pick. You know, I've got
0: Jose Ramirez one, but he's he's going to be 32, I think, in five years, 33. So yeah, you got to factor that in as well. Um, yeah, I, I'd have him. I'd, I'd probably
1: have him over Devers too at this point.
0: Yeah, maybe I'll go with a sleeper of Josh Young with the Should Rangers. Pick. He's had a little setback this year with injury, but the talent's there. He's taken some major strides forward. Wouldn't surprise me to see him take that jump and be be really, really solid. So we'll see. I think he could debut this year, so we'll get some looks at him. Obviously, I think he'll start in the minors, especially after injury. But, yeah, he'll be a fun one that I think has an outside shot of, of taking that jump.
1: Yep, that's a good one, too. I like Josh Young, very advanced bat, very close to my rankings with Cody Hosey, so that's a good one there as well. Let's move over a little bit to the shortstop, which is always the the sexiest of the infield positions by a country mile. Chris, who is your top 10 at this position 5 years out? This is was really fun and it, really it? <laughs> you, it was really hard. We could have listed great.
0: 20 players that could potentially be top 10, but right. uh Tatis is my current one. He's he's sticking here at number 1 for me. Boba at 2, Trey Turner at 3, Wander Franco at four, Bobby Witt Jr. at five, Corey Seager, six, Marco Luciano, seven, Xander Bogarts, eight, Francisco Lindor, nine, and Tim Anderson at number 10. Chris
1: is lying. He has Ronnie Mauricio at four. If, if you saw our <laughs> outline, I put Mauricio in there and he put a smiley or a laughing face on the sheet, but didn't take him out. It's hmm. still there. He's is Chris coming around on Ronnie Mauricio. <laughs> More at 11 o'clock. No. Um, yeah, this was a really fun position. Um, My top 10, obviously, just no denying. As much as I love Bobachet, Tatis is number one. He will still be number one this time, barring some unfortunate injury. Knock on wood, hope it doesn't happen, obviously. He's my one. Bobachet is my two. Wander Franco, three. Trey Turner, four. I If I had Abrams at short, I would put him five behind Trey Turner. But my five here is Corey Seager, 6, Bobby Witt Jr., 7, Trevor Story, 8, Zanda Bogats, 9, Marco Luciano, 10, Tim Anderson. And a lot of honor. I, I put six honorable mentions here. Uh, Lindor, who Chris has at 9. I had probably had 11. You could probably put Automento Mondesi in this conversation. As much as I hate to minute you've got to at least put him in the conversation. Gladbro Torres, Carlos Correa, Dansby Swanson, Javier Baez. Like Chris mentioned, we could have gone so much deeper here. Um, A lot of interesting guys here to talk about. This is another one, too, trying to weigh all these top prospects and where to rank them against these current elite studs that are in their late 20s. Kind of the same thing as we had at third base, where Trevor Story is, I think, 28. Bogarts is 27, 28. Uh, Who else is up there? Lindor is, I think, 28, 29. So, I think that's, for me, the reason why I didn't put Lindor up there is he already doesn't have the greatest kind of underlying metrics, even though there is something to said about the guys that just get it done, like, that aren't stat-cast darlings, because not everybody can be a stat-cast darling and lighting up that page in, with red balls. And it's not like he's a blue ball guy, but he's more like the guy that's like, you know, the pink balls, you know? But I don't know. I don't see how Lindor, and he's off to a really bad start this year. I think he'll turn it around, obviously, but... I don't know if he's kind of like the player that is still like elite at the plates when he's what 34 or so at this point in time. Um, what, what, what do you think about Lindor? He was, he was a hard one for me to rank. I wanted to put him top tanks He's been, you know, a top 20 guy overall for a while now, but I don't know how, how, how was, how do you th- value Lindor moving forward? Yeah. So
0: he's a tough one and he was a guy that was fading a little bit coming into this year. I just thought he kind of overperformed a bit. And like you mentioned, He's one of the guys that gets it done without putting like up elite stat cast numbers. But this year hasn't been great. He actually looked good in spring training, which was encouraging. And now, I don't know. It's been a rough start. His OBP's is higher than a slug. I do think that comes around. <laughs> he, he's only 27, which kind of threw me off. It really? feels like he's he's been around for quite a while.
1: He, yeah, and, he feels like he's
0: almost 30. Right. So <laughs> you think about him at 32, five years down the road, I think he can still be a viable option. He's not never been like an, an elite sprinter by any means. And I think the stolen bases probably do taper off here, but he can still be a solid batting average type guy that gives you power. I mean, I think there's, you know, still 30 home run pop in the bat at that point, which I still think has some value. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of guys here that could go a lot of ways. <laughs> and so we'll probably look really bad on a lot of these because there's just so many players at shortstop that could excel mm. and really take off. So It's hard to say for sure, but I still think the talent level's there, and he's performed at a high enough level, and hopefully he gets comfortable. It could be a transition just being in New York, but we know he's going to be around there a long time, so hopefully he gets comfortable and and it works out for him.
1: Yeah, I think me putting him at probably what would be 11 or 12 in my rankings here has a lot to do with, like you mentioned, just the depth and the talent of this position where we already have all these studs but the top 10 right now is already loaded. And then you're going to be including these guys like Wander Franco, Bobby Witt Jr. Potentially, you know, maybe CJ, probably not, but Marco Luciano guys like that. I mean, maybe even a few more, you know, maybe they Toronto keeps Grotians at short moves, boat up second. I don't know who knows. how they figured out that in, infield, but there's so many really good prospects that could be added into the mix here. So like, if Lindor was a second baseman, he would be like, just for example, fourth or fifth. <laughs> like, he'd be much higher on my second base r- list than Up this, this shows the the sheer talent and depth of shortstop. And I want, I almost wanted to put Wander Franco higher because I do think Wander Franco would be an absolute stud. You know, basically, Ozzy Albies with 40 more points on average and maybe even more pop in, in time. But I just couldn't move him ahead of. Uh, obviously, he wouldn't be up the one, but I couldn't even really move him ahead of Bo for me because everyone knows I'm a huge, huge Bo guy. And I think if anybody has a chance to unseat Tatis, which I don't, I'm not, this is not, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm saying if you had to make me choose a player that could unseat Tatis at, at number one, it'd probably be Bo Bichette because he is the all around package. I've called him the Mookie Betts of the infield for a while now. He needs to be one of those guys that hits, you know, 290 to 300 plus, 25 to 30 home runs, 15 to 25 steals in that range. You know, probably fluctuates a little bit depending on how much he wants to run and how efficient he is on the basis. But again, and the guys that be hitting in the middle of a loaded lineup, he's going to have guys like, you know, Teosca Hernandez and Flat Jr. and Lord Gurriel hitting around him and, you know, uh, Groshans when he comes up. And it's going to be a loaded lineup. So he's an absolute five category stud. Um, but I couldn't move wander ahead for me um, it was even hard to put him ahead of Turner did you were you debating Turner and Franco three four there yeah and I think that's
0: another struggle too is looking like how will Turner age speed wise and he's only 27 and you know I kind of like to compare him to like Whit Merrifield who Merrifield is still running at a high clip and I think he's 32 this year yeah he's 32 this season and he's you know up there in steals And I think Turner is definitely capable. He's always been one of the top sprint speeds in the game. The power coming around has been big for him. And I feel like he's pretty much a lock to hit close to 300 at this point. Like he's just continually showed it. And I think he's kind of pushed past some of those like eh, kind of injuries that the fluky injuries, I'll say he had a lot of weird injuries early on in his career. And he seemed to push past that the evolving power, I think is a big deal for him. And I don't see why he can't be productive at at age thirty two, and so that kind of keeps him up there. But with these guys that are you know elite sprinters and big stolen base guys, you always wonder how they age and how the stolen base curve comes into effect into the thirties. Yeah. And so I think you definitely have to consider that. But now I'm still still very much in on Turner.
1: I think he's an absolute stud, and absolutely. That's I was bringing that up too. But everyone always questions how the speed will age into their thirties. But with him, I don't know. I get that feeling it's not going to be a big drop-off. I think it'll be, like, very gradual. I think he could be, like, Whitmerfield with more power. You know, Whitmerfield's still stealing 25, 30 bags a year and do that with the added probably 10 more home runs that Turner will add. So I, I think he's going to age pretty gracefully, you know. I, don't, I think he's still going to want to run. Um, obviously, he's going to be hitting right around Juan Soto, which always helps, so... I think he'll still be a, you know, at age thirty two, I think he's still gonna be like a twenty-five to thirty steel guy. I don't think he's gonna really start declining until he gets closer to that thirty-four, thirty-five. It's because he's so fast. Like we're not talking eightieth percentile sprint speed. We're not even talking 90th percentile sprint speed. Like this is like 98th plus percentile sprint speed guy, one of the fastest guys in baseball. So I don't think that's gonna deteriorate too quickly here uh, moving forward, but really, really sexy position here. You know, I wanted to move Luciano up even higher, but I just couldn't do it ahead of some of those studs. Maybe it could have moved him ahead of Bogart's and story to seven because I think Luciano's going to be an absolute stud, 30-plus home runs, high average, a little bit of speed. This position is just so damn good, and it's just getting better and better every year. And moving on to our last position here, the always awesome and deep and sexy outfield position, I'll go first here, I guess. My top 10, and this was really, really difficult, uh, but I have at 1A, I have Juan Soto. At 1B, I have Ronald Acuna. You cannot make me choose between these two. I do not want to choose between these two. If I had to, I'd probably choose Acuna if he has the the better approach now, which he's shown so far this year. If that sticks, I think he is slightly ahead of Soto long-term because he added speed, obviously. Um, So I guess Acuna 1, Soto 2, but for now I'll say 1A and 1B. Number 3, my boy, Jared Kelnick. That's right, Kelnick 3. Suck it, haters, even though I don't think there's any Kelnick haters out there, actually. So, <laughs> but Kelnick at 3, Luis Robert 4, Kyle Tucker 5, suck it, Jake. I know Jake Deverell will not like that. Um, sorry, Jake, love you. Uh, Mike Trout at 6, Mookie Betts at 7. Julio Rodriguez at eight, Cody Bellinger, nine, Bryce Harper, 10. Actually, I should have that around. Bryce Harper, nine, Cody Bellinger, 10. And I'll I'll get into these later, but my honorable mentions here, I put like another eight or nine names. This is so deep, obviously. Maybe we should have been in the top 20 at this position, but whatever. <laughs> uh, Chris, what's your top 10? Yep,
0: I've got Acuna one and Soto two. But like you said, they're pretty much interchangeable. The biggest thing for me right now is Acuna's contact rates have really spiked. So I know they've he's looked so much better just as a pure hitter this right. year. Right. So you give him the power of Soto. He's got more speed than Soto, and now he's got the contact rates of Soto. And I just think that it's not higher. He's he's so good. He's so hard to argue against. And and both these guys are going to be absolute studs. For and, the, and they're
1: so likable too. Like right him you know, they, those two they, plus Tatis. Like
0: yeah. They so make likeable. the game
1: fun. Exactly. I, I, I was about to tweet this out earlier. Baseball is in a potentially really good spot here with these. Well, you still got Trout and Mookie and all them. But then, like, these three young guys that are all 22, 23 years old, already potentially, you know, the top three players in the game, market them. Yep. For the love of all things, holy, market them. They won't. And they'll probably miss a year next year with a freaking lockout. But – Baseball is potentially in a really good spot if they can do this right.
0: Yep. All the players are there. I mean, the players that are passionate about the game, they don't care about the old school ways. Like, let's play baseball and have fun. And that's what what you love to see. Absolutely. So, yep. Acuna one, Soto two. I've got Kelnick three. Also, I think that he's a high floor, high ceiling, just comes up and makes an instant impact and really runs with it. You know, solid power, speed, and hit. Still got Mike Trout at four. Uh, It's hard to argue with what he's doing. I mean, he's 29 right now. He'll be obviously 34 then in five years. But, man, his speed has gone down. Like, he's not stealing as much. But you look at how much power he has and the hit tool, and it's hard to argue against that. Like, I I don't think he loses much of that. So, he sticks there for me. Bryce Harper, again, another one. I think Harper's 28 right now. But I just see his kind of skill set, aging pretty well. And so I, I still got Harper, Harper at five, Julio Rodriguez at six, Bellinger at seven, which honestly I'm looking at now, and I kind of don't like it. I wish he was a little lower because we, we can hit on that too. I think he's kind of an interesting talking point. But uh, Luis Robert at eight, C.J. Abrams at nine. So I didn't have Abrams at second like Eric did. I, I obviously don't think he sticks it short. I, I'd say it's probably 50-50 where he yeah. plays. Second or or center, either one could happen, and we'll see. I mean, they played him both spots, I think, in spring training. He played some short, he played some second, he played some outfield. So, you know, they're going to give him a shot. We'll see where it turns out, but I think he's going to be a stud wherever. And that just goes to show you I'm at ninth, and that's how deep outfield is here. Mm. And I've got Eloy 10th. I'm going to say Tucker 11th because I had him 10th and I bumped. I forgot to put Bellinger in the outfield. So, you know, Kyle Tucker is worth mentioning here for sure. And it's just a deep talented group of players. I don't even have Mookie in here which is crazy, but
1: I know it it was hard. Like I I should have put Bryce Harper higher um than 9. I probably should have put him 7 or so behind Mike Trout, which I probably I'll, I'll edit this. I'll put okay, I'm editing it right now. I'm put Harper 7 here, but yeah, again, some of these slightly like old, you know, late 20s guys. I I think Harper is he's shown this year. Like he hit two bombs today. Looks really, really good. People just want to crap on Tucker. I mean, on uh, Harper because he's not likable. He's kind of arrogant, but whatever. Again, he's on the guy I think is very good for the game. He brings attention to the game. He might be the most um, well-known baseball player. You know, it's either him or Trout right now. Obviously, these three young guys are coming up too. But everyone knows Bryce Harper just because of the personality, even if you're not a baseball fan. So I think his, you know, his offensive game will age well. Into his thirties, yeah. There's a lot of really good talent here. Like all my honorable mentions, I'd have Eloy at eleven. You know, Trent Grisham, Randy rosarena maybe Byron Buxton if he can stay healthy. I think he could be at least in consideration here. Um, some other prospects like Joe Adele, maybe if he gets it all together. Best case scenario, uh, I think he's at least in the conversation for top ten. Probably not though. If I had the bet, probably not. Uh, Alex Kirilov, super high floor. Corbin Carroll. Kind of similar skills at the C.J. Abrams. Brennan Davis, big power speed guy. Austin Martin, who probably ends up outfield for Toronto because of that log jam in the infield. So many good guys here. So many elite guys. But, yeah, let's, let's talk Cody Bellinger because I almost didn't put Cody Bellinger. That might sound crazy to say. He's still young. He's, what, 26, I think, right now. So we're talking 31 here in 2026. I don't know. I don't know how the speed, you know, progresses here. I don't know if he's more than that, you know, four to five steel guy moving forward, especially as he gets into a you know, 30 plus. Obviously the power's there, but the average has been kind of wonky outside of that one half season where he was hitting like 380 over, you know, an 80-so game stretch. What? You, how are you valuing him? Like, we, we both almost didn't put him in, but we both kind of put him into the back end I think there's a chance he could not be a top 10 guy. Would you agree with that? Or do you think he's, you know, that would take a lot for that to happen? I'm, no, it's not crazy. I
0: don't think at all. I mean, he had the one elite season, like you mentioned, but really it was just like one super hot month. I mean, yeah. he had 47 home runs over that stretch, which was that season, which was awesome. But you look and, you know, from the start of the season in 2019 to the end of June, he hit 27 of those home runs, and he had a 346 batting average over that span, which, you know, that's playing out of your mind. He walked more than he struck out. He stole eight bases over that span. Like, he was absolutely dominant. But then moving forward, again, like, he wasn't all that spectacular. I mean, he was still good, but he – so over his final 309 plate appearances from July 1st on, he hit 259 and he had 20 home runs and seven steals, which – is solid like but i just wonder the batting average i just don't think he's going to hit for average and everybody's going to say well he'll come back around blah 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 but i I just think he's maybe a 250 260 type hitter and we know he's got the raw power but that doesn't really go a long way there's a lot of hitters that can hit 40 home runs and hit 250 i mean Cole Calhoun over his last one sixty two has had like 42 home runs and hitting like <laughs> 262. So, you know, outside the steals, like, what's that different? You know, it's not, not that much different. And I think with Bellinger, I think you may see the speed taper off. He's had a lot of injuries, yeah. and I think that plays in a big factor into it more than we realize. I just don't think he's going to run as much as people hope. And not to crap on him, like I think he's solid, but there there's definitely reasons to be concerned here, in my
1: opinion. No, I I totally agree 100% with what you just said. And, yeah, you got to wonder, you look at the profile. Let's even give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's just give them 270. 270, what, 35 and 5? Is that, like, that's pretty good. That's really good. Is that, like, top 5 outfield good? No. Conforto's done kind of close to that without the speed. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that can give you 30 bombs now and, so, you need to do a lot more. And yeah, he's more than just a 30 home run guy. He could be a 40 home run guy, and he's shown that. But yeah, I think we both kind of question the average and the speed. I think they'll still be okay. I don't think his average is going to plummet down. I don't think he's going to drop down to be like a 240 hitter anytime soon. But yeah, it could be in the 250s, 260s, something like that. I don't think we're going to see him ever up near 300 again. I don't think he has the contact skills for that. So, yeah, if, that's, if he's a two sixty two seventy guy with, you know, decreasing speed, then, yeah, I think it's fair to question if he is a, a top 10 guy because um, there's a lot of names here that could vault ahead of him. You know, like Eloy is just as good of a power hitter and maybe around the same average. You know, maybe he doesn't have the speed, but um, I think he could be better than Bellinger here in a few years. But, yeah, Rosarena is an interesting one kind of wanted to include him or like a, a Trent Grisham, who I really like. Grisham is probably one of my hardest ones to cut here with so many names beyond this top 10 that are that could be included here. But I, I love that we both have Jared Kelnick at three because obviously anybody doing this type of ranking, I don't care who you are. Everyone is going to have Soto and Acuna one, two, whether you put Soto one, Acuna one. I think those are the top two locked in they're on another level on another stratosphere by themselves. So really we're talking about like Kelnick is our number one outside of those two. Obviously, obviously he's three for both of us. So that's saying a lot about the, the upside. And you mentioned the high floor as well, that Kelnick has where he literally could be 330 30, That would not shock me. And some people are like, Oh, he's going like to steal that much, but he said he wanted to steal 30 this year. And he's the type of guy. I believe him. Like, he's not an elite speedster I mean, he's got a close to plus speed but he is the one of those types of guys that has that drive and has that like chip on his shoulder mentality that he'll use like the mariners you know all that that fiasco from the end of spring training you know to kind of drive him to you know be I'll show them type of thing i love that he just has that drive or whatever he wants to do i think he's going to do is he's that talented like i said 330 30 i think is definitely in play here um, and are you, do you think 30 30 is potential for him, or am I, maybe my Kelnick <laughs> love is bleeding into this a little bit, but I think I it's mean, legit.
0: Yeah. I think even if you go 30 20 with a 300 average, like it's still, yeah, it's still that spot. exactly. Yeah. So even I would say worst case, he steals 15 bags, at least for the early part of his career. And I would still argue that that's worthy of that spot because when you, you go to, so Trout, like our next one, he's not even going to steal that much. I think Trout maybe has more power and you know, Trout will could potentially hit 300 as well. But your next guy, Luis Robert, he has similar power speed. I would probably give Kelnick the edge and power and Robert the edge and speed, but the hit tools aren't even close in my opinion. And now Robert's made some strides this year with with contact rates, which are encouraging. But you know, I think that the spot's warranted. Even if you look at, more of a floor pick for Kelnick. I think the upside is that good where even his floor
1: is worthy to be that high. And the upside's immense. Yep. Yeah, 100% agree. Now, the last thing here, and I'll ask you, we, we both can weigh on this. So I know somebody's going to ask it. If Jordan Alvarez is outfield eligible, where would you have him? For me, I'm thinking I put him, I think seventh. Behind Trout for me, so Robert four, Tucker five, Trout six, and Yordan seven. I think that's where I'll put him. Where would you have him top ten? Yeah, and looking at it,
0: he, oh, I'm debating put him ahead of Julio Rodriguez, but yeah I don't know. I mean, got, <laughs> I got Rodriguez sixth. Yordan is. I mean, we've seen what he can do. He's a monster. He Hit forty home runs. Hit three hundred. You're not going to get these steals, but you know, you see him leg out that triple the other day. Like
1: his knees, right.
0: his knees are all right.
1: The knees are fine, people. Yeah. Maybe they're not great, but they're fine.
0: They're yeah. good
1: enough to get through yeah. a season, <laughs> more than serviceable. Right to gate. Right.
0: To but yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. He God, he might could
1: push five or six for me, which he is, could. Yeah, might be like, crazy, but I don't. I don't think it's that crazy. Seeing how you know, number five for me is Tucker. You know, seeing the the hit tool, you know, even though his XBA is way above his batting average this year, and he's one of the lower um, BABIP guys so far in 2020, or 2021, excuse me. So I think he could push five because he's a higher floor than Tucker. I can't put him, you know, I can't put him up to four or three. But, um, yeah, I think he definitely could be five. And for me, if Abrams does go to the outfield, I think I'd have Abrams right behind Tucker. Like, I am that high on CJ Abrams. Now you have him eighth, so we're not too far off there. And then, you know, Luis Roberts, another interesting one, real quick here, because he's looked at the plate a little better this year. I know it's still early, but I'm just encouraged that some of the contact and swing metrics are a little better. He's chasing more. The O swing has even gone up, which is not encouraging, but the swing and strike rates come down a few percentage points. Contact rates are all up, walk rate down a little bit, but strikeout rate also down. So, you know, he's the one that he could push. If he figures it out to the point where he's a 270 guy, he could push three here with, you know, his immense power seat potential. But he's really – was he hard for you to the, – the value here is because of the uncertainty with that hit tool and the approach? Yeah, I think that he could go a
0: lot of ways. And the early returns have been very positive on him this season, which is encouraging but uh, yeah i don't know it, he'll be an interesting one for sure like it, if the gains are real which they say that contact rates begin to stabilize around 100 plate appearances and he's pushing over 80 now four steals so far 3.16 average i got to question his power a little bit because when he had that big season in triple eight hitting in charlotte is like
1: yeah mm-hmm. course
0: but better like it's <laughs> one of the best minor league parks to hit in and you know, that's not far from me. I've been several times, and there's a lot of home runs hitting in that park, and he hit 16 there that season in like 200 plate appearances. And I know he had 16 prior to that in Double A, but still I, I have some concerns. Maybe he's more of like a 20, 25 home run guy. He does that's hit fair. the ball hard. You know, the max exit velos are good, but that's not always super telling. I mean, Kettle Marte has elite, you know, max exit velos. Willie Castro – has one of the top <laughs> max exit v yeah. this year. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's more than capable of hitting 30. I think the upside's like 30-30 for him, but I just really think he might be a 20-25 home run guy. I don't yeah. know
1: if that's crazy or not. <laughs> no, that's not crazy. I think it's definitely fair. And, and maybe the contact skills eat into that power a little bit. Who knows? But he's definitely one of the, the higher. You know, ones with the wider range of outcomes here at this position for sure. Could be third, could be out of the top ten if if the contact skills and approach don't get better or regress. So yeah, he's definitely one of the more intriguing ones in this very, very good-looking top ten plus list that we have here. But yeah, that's gonna wrap us up. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode and that it was beneficial to you in your dynasty leagues. Again, you can follow us on Twitter, I am at Aircross04. Chris is at Roto and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out our new Patreon at patreon.com/slash Fantrax Toolshed, and of course, check out all of our written work and all of the great teams' written work at FantraxHQ.com. We'll be back with you all again next week with more Dynasty. Everyone, take care.